Microphone check. One, two. CC. Hello and welcome at CC. Hello and welcome at one, two, three, four, five, six. She sells seashells by the seashore. She sells seashells by the seashore. There we go. Rolling. For me, documentary is it's the most fascinating and challenging art form in the moving image medium there is. And, and you know, I've been in love with it all my life. I think as an editor, specifically as a documentary editor, you are designing the narrative. You are choosing the order, the structure, you know, way more. You know, all that stuff in drama is done by a screenwriter years, sometimes years before. You know, all that stuff is pretty much locked. Yeah, you can do some stuff in the edit suite afterwards, but, you know, not not a massive amount. You know, you, you are, you know, you're a blank canvas and documentary edit. You're, you know, you're tabula rasa, day one. Hello and welcome to The Documentary Life, a show that sets out to inspire and inform you on how to best live and lead your own documentary life. I am your host, Chris G. Parkhurst, and this is episode number 48, and it is brought to you by Barong Films, proud creators of Documentary Film, The Documentary Life Podcast, and The Documentary Academy, our industry-changing A to Z documentary filmmaking program that will transform you into the documentary filmmaker that you've always wanted to be. Find out more at thedocumentarylife.com slash academy. Back in around 2002, I first began working with nonlinear editing. I believe it was one of the, the earliest versions of Final Cut Pro, maybe version two or three. For anyone born after, I don't know, like 1990, nonlinear or really computer-based editing is, is how it's always been for you. You know, the idea of tape-based machines or, or film flatbeds, you know, was an archaic or, or maybe worse, a kitschy kind of way of cutting one's film. Um, all through the 90s, inc- including at TV news stations, I was editing on, on beta SP tape machines. And anyone who, who came upon these or, or the older uh, three-quarter inch machines remembers shuttling back and forth through footage with an actual you know shuttle control as opposed to the, the J, K, and L, and, and spacebar keys of, of, of your computer keyboard. Anyhow, when I first got my hands on some a video editing software, to say that it rocked my world, that would be a vast, vast understatement. I mean, I'd very briefly touched a few keys of an, an early version of Avid Media Composer a few years prior, but, but when I sat down with Final Cut to learn the software, I was quickly and completely won over. Now, it's funny that I mentioned learning the software when, when I'm talking about editing, because I didn't learn editing per se by using Final Cut. Not at all. I, I was really having to learn the software more than anything else. Like I said, I'd been editing for a while, actually since probably 1990 when I was first taking video courses at the State University of New York College at Fredonia, where I went for my undergrad degree. Um, I'd taken many filmmaking theory and hands-on based programs there. I'd studied film and and filmmaking techniques, some of which, of course, included editing and post-production. But of course, it it wasn't really until I sat down with a bigger project on my hands and immersed myself in weeks of editing on, on a feature-length uh, high eight video movie, if you can believe that, that I made with colleagues uh, during my senior year at uni. It wasn't until then that I actually learned how to edit, or, or at least what I believed to be editing at that time. 
fast forward to like, uh, like I said, I think circa 2002, when I shot my first digital feature and, and was putting it together in Final Cut, or you could fast forward even fast forward even a couple more years where I was hired to edit on my first documentary feature. Uh, all this time, I, I'm, I'm using Final Cut Pro. And I was learning the software, which was an amazingly complex, deeply you know, honed piece of software that even though I'd end up using for a decade until Apple let me down, but that, that's, of course, another story, I probably would, would really only understand and use about 15% of the actual software. But, but that was all that I needed to know to be able to edit videos, to edit films. And as I mentioned, I didn't really learn how to edit per se using any kind of editing software. Other than a class or two where I was forced to, to use the editing base at school, I really taught myself how to edit. And I read books on editing. Obviously, Walter Murch's In the Blink of an Eye was like a Bible for editing people. Uh, another great one that I would come across was a book um, afterwards called Conversations that, that Murch did with uh, uh, famous novelist Michael Andaja. Uh, you might remember his name from, from, I think it was The English Patient, was, was, uh, was an early novel. I devoured these types of books, and I watched a ton of films with an eye specifically on editing. Why, you ask? Well, there was something absolutely transforming and, and magical for me. And really, this is probably too light of, of descriptive words that I could use. But vocabulary escapes me, honestly, when, when I finally began to realize the, the power harvested by, by this, this editing position. A position that, to my knowledge, was, and honestly, I believe still is today, probably the most underappreciated, most misunderstood of all of the film positions. Now, if you've done any of, of your own research uh, on the subject yourself, you've come to realize, as have so many others, that a director is really only as good as his or her editor. A director can have the vision for how a film looks and feels and sounds and, and can direct talent on a set, but it's in the editing room where it's just an editor and the director's footage that the wizardry really happens. But, you know, as I mentioned, I had to really learn all of this myself. I had to take the time to seek out the information. I had to immerse myself in years of, of all sorts of footage and, and work and rework scenes, sometimes whole edits and, and until I could get the scene or the film right. Um, it, it took years of this kind of work and thought and, and practice before I could you know, get to a place where I could really feel comfortable calling myself a film editor in the truest sense of the words. You know, a, a person who could take someone's footage and lay it all out on a timeline in, in, in a coherent, deeply meaningful fashion, told from the perspective of someone who knows what it means to tell a story. Because that's what an editor does. That's what a true editor is. And you know what? No one that I knew of was ever going to teach me that kind of thing. I'm not talking about the technical aspects of editing. There, there's plenty of that material. Hell, in this day and age, if you have a technical question about you know something to do with editing, you can find some snot-nosed kid from Melbourne, Australia on YouTube who, who can tell you how to set some, some motion keyframes on a clip. I'm not talking about that at all. That's readily available. Uh, I'm talking about the fact that no one could put into words, let alone proper instruction, how one makes a meaningful edit with the kind of kind of cinematic nuances that sets a story apart from just another, 
you know, sizzle reel of, of someone's drone footage in Thailand. I, I often like to use that that example. Forgive me for that. I, I'm talking about learning the language of editing so that, that you could have a constructive conversation with an otherwise difficult director to work with. Uh, I'm talking about having access to professionally shot footage and sound and, and being able to develop not only a proper editing workflow, but a tightly knit edit that's, that's consistent with professional standards, you know, so as to go out into the market place and try and secure yourself a job as an editor. None of that existed to my knowledge. That is, of course, until I recently was made aware of what Patty Bird was doing with his company inside the edit. And I have you, my fellow doc lifers, to thank for this. A couple of you, after after hearing my five ways to edit more efficiently segment, a piece that I did just a couple of weeks ago for episode 46, a couple of you, after hearing the program, wrote me with your desire for more of this kind of content, you know, content that dealt with the subject of editing. In fact, you even mentioned specifically this course called Inside the Edit, the brainchild of editing vet and documentary filmmaker Patty Bird. Well, I took this as an obvious opportunity to reach out and perhaps speak with someone who was doing something on the subject of editing that was sitting well with, with apparently a whole heck of a lot of people. Well, I had no idea of what I was to discover, which was basically the aforementioned class or classes that would properly teach someone from the inside out, teach them the aspects of the process known as editing. After having had the distinct pleasure of sitting down with Patty to hear his story, you know, his journey from, from a young sap in the back of a, of a dark room learning how to edit on one of the, the first avids to becoming a lead editor on some of the biggest reality programs in the UK to becoming a documentary filmmaker himself. And then finally to spending three years of his life researching and developing what has today become one of the most recognizable, if not downright important courses on the editing process process today through his company, Inside the Edit. After nearly two hours of incredible conversation, I quickly realized that the 30-minute time slot you know, that, that normally is allotted to the, to the conversation with the doc industry guest segment, that was not going to suffice here. So I've decided to forego the first segment as well as the Doc Life or Community Question of the Week segments this week so as to make a little bit more room for this amazing conversation that I had with Patty. It's the show that many of you have been waiting for. So after this quick break, we're going to get right to it. Next up, my conversation with Inside the Edits, Patty Bird. Two weeks ago, we announced the Documentary Life Community Facebook group, a place where fellow doc lifers could come to, to share valuable information, collaborate with other doc filmmakers, and provide others with constructive feedback, advice, and, and support on documentary-related topics. It's a community where one can feel comfortable sharing the struggles and challenges one faces, because as we know from this podcast, there are most likely many others who have already experienced the same thing in the past, or who are currently experiencing it, or certainly will at some point. It's a community that shares valuable information in a way that can help others and allow members to garner support when they most need it. This community fosters relationships and builds connections and friendships worldwide. 
one cursory look at the Documentary Life Community Facebook group will tell you all you need to know. There, there, there are already dozens of doc lifers like yourself who are taking advantage of this wonderful opportunity to further become a part of the TDL community. To be a part of the Documentary Life Community Facebook group, you can search for the Documentary Life Community Facebook, not page, but group, and, and, and apply from there. I will also you know, be putting a direct link to the page up in the show notes for this episode. If you have any questions or concerns or, or need help with the Documentary Life Community Facebook group, please don't hesitate to reach out to my wife, the producer of TDL, Stephanie, and her email address is stephanie at barongfilms.com. So do take a moment and check out the Documentary Life Community Facebook group today. After I premiered my first documentary film, Journey to Kathmandu, a film that took nearly five years to make, I remember feeling elated and exhausted. Is there any other feeling like the first time you show your completed doc film to an audience? I don't think there is. Not long after, I took a well-deserved short break away from the city, and it was while I was on a hike, when I had reached a mountaintop and was overlooking the Great Columbia River, that I found myself thinking back on the film and the journey that I'd been on. I thought about all the mistakes I'd made, all the wins that I'd had, how it had felt to finally share my film with an audience, and I thought about the life it would have from here on out. And I began to break down all the components of what had gotten me to where I was at that moment, and all the things I wished I'd done differently. And this is how I began to form what I am sharing with you today, a free course entitled The Documentary Filmmaker's Essential Checklist. In the Essential Checklist, I share with you the fundamental aspects of making a documentary film, and perhaps most importantly, help you to avoid making some of the mistakes that I made during my first feature film. It is my sincere hope that The Documentary Filmmaker's Essential Checklist will help make your doc film's journey the truly exhilarating experience that it can and should be. It's yours simply by going to thedocumentarylife.com slash courses and enrolling for free. I'm excited to have a conversation today with editing extraordinaire and documentary filmmaker, Patty Bird. Patty, it's great to have you here on The Documentary Life. Chris, thank you so much for asking me. I'm really, really, really chuffed. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's um, it, it's really interesting how this whole thing happened. Recently, we've been getting some more feedback from listeners of the show who are, ironically, and I say ironically because uh, my background is steeped in editing. Like yourself, I've been an editor for years. But I hadn't really talked about post-production a whole heck of a lot here on the show. And I'd been receiving feedback from listeners, and, and there seemed to be a bit of a need and desire for, for some of that conversation. And and your name actually has come up in some recent emails. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm super, again, super excited to have you, have you aboard um, to talk really about all things editing today. So, so thanks for agreeing to do that. Absolute pleasure. Patty, how long have you been in editing, actually? I think the first edit I ever remember doing, or the first time I really sort of uh, delve in, delve, uh, dove into it very quickly, um, very in any kind of significant depth, was about 95. So, what, 22 years, something like that? Okay, so 95. Uh, were you editing on three-quarter tape machines? Were you editing film? How were you cutting at that point? It, that's an interesting question actually i'm because i'm 42 yeah so um the actual most of my generation of uh, my peer group started off on tape 
Right. But I actually, I actually kind of skipped that. I was on the first generation of Avid. So uh... I'm, I'm from the first generation <laughs> of digital. So a lot of people with similar similar amount of gray hair to me talk about <laughs> take this and take that. And I'm just like, yeah, I didn't do any of that stuff. I'm, I'm completely digital. So, um, yeah, back then, an Avid, caught, and there wasn't anything else, an Avid was like 100 grand. Yeah, exactly, 100, 120 grand machines, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was yeah, so it's, it's been over a couple of decades, really. God, it's almost a quarter of a century, that makes one think. <laughs> yeah, it, it certainly does. I've got about three more years of gray hair on you, and, and, and 90, let's see, 94-ish was... Yeah, 94 is when I got out, out of college here. Of course, you guys call it university. Um, and I remember at that time, you know, sort of this idea of independent uh, filmmaking started to become a more and more attainable thing, it seemed like. And and so I, whereas you got in sort of just at the beginning, in, in, in sort of my schooling, I had just missed that beginning. And so um, I remember, you know, around 95 and 96 becoming increasingly excited about uh, about the possibilities that it looked like for independent filmmakers, certainly with digital technology. So, yeah, I mean, I actually started off as a, as a desktop publisher. I was using hmm. Quark Express, if everyone anyone remembers that, in the early days of Photoshop and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And, um, and then a guy, a friend of mine, uh, uh, who was working in the same department at this magazine we were working, said, hey, he showed me a magazine cover, and he said, look, and the headline was, you can now edit films on a computer. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, wow, this is really cool. Um, and we actually went to the uh, department, we, our department head in this magazine, and said, hey, let's start a film company. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, and it was a charity. Um, so we actually got corporate sponsorship for an, uh, an avid. You've I think it was, kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Bloomberg, Bloomberg TV yeah. bought us a hundred grand avid. Wow. It was, it was completely, you know, you, you hear some really like painful stories of people who were, you know, they spent years making tea or coffee in, a, in an edit facility or a production company. I skipped all of that. Oh, I was yeah. lucky. Uh, we got the Avid in on a Monday. On We had our first client. No, we got the Avid in on a Friday. And on the Monday, we had our first client in. So on Saturday and Sunday, we were reading the manual. Unbelievable. Saying, didn't know anything about Same thing with camera and all that kind of stuff. We didn't know what. Wide shots were medium shots, cutaways close. We did, we were reading it forty eight hours before, and then she <laughs> we had no idea what we were doing. Um, yeah, Bloomberg like amazingly um, bought us this this avid, and we got corporate sponsorship for a, a Sony Beta Cam SP camera. I think mm, I was going to ask uh, you what you shot it on. Yeah, it was Beta Cam S uh, Beta SP. Yeah. So beta SP, yeah, right, right, okay. So I didn't, I mean, I didn't get to university or film school, or I mean, I didn't really finish school. Um, yeah, and I just we made hundreds in two years. We made hundreds of like corporate videos and yeah. like taking interns. So we had a, like, a little mini film school. We had no one to teach us, uh, and we were just making hundreds. And but the thing was is that the two friends I was working with didn't want to edit. <laughs> so they wanted to direct, they wanted to do camera. So yeah. I was sort of forced into the edit room. And I, I remember for that first year, 
I literally locked myself in the edit suite. When I say I lived there, I mean I went and bought a blow-up bed, and um, I I, li I lived in oh, the edit suite. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I was really I was just obsessed with it. When I started looking yeah. at the power of what you could do, and just by changing the structure of the sequence, and I was just obsessed. So that's how it started, and we did that for a couple of years, and then. Bang, I got an agent. We all sort of left and, and went our separate ways. And I got an agent, um, a sort of, I think about sort of 97, 98. Mm. And then that was it. My career started there. And so you were, you were locking yourself in a dark room for hours and days and weeks and probably years. And, and really you just, you, sell, you learned editing um, by teaching yourself. And I think a lot of people listening to the program can, can relate to that. And, mm. and, and this will be good because we, at some point when we lead into start talking about what you're doing with inside the edit, um, we can talk about why and how, you know, teaching yourself can be good, but it also can be, um, there's a need for more than, than just the teaching yourself. Um, so that's great. Uh, at what point did you ever hear of the name Walter Murch? I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd heard, I'd heard of him loads, you know, cause he was a seminal editor in the seventies yeah, and eighties. Yeah. He edited or co-edited Apocalypse Now, which, you know, you kind of watch as a 16 year old boy and you know, all these <laughs> you have a right passage to go through like that. Yeah. Good fellas grown up, you know, in the mid seventies onwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did hear about him and I did hear about, you know, then he wrote the blink of an eye book, which, yeah. you know, to, Still now seems to be the only kind of artistic book on editing. Yeah, right. Any kind of merit, and then when the whole kind of Final Cut Pro revolution happened, what two thousand four? Yes. Cold Mountain. There was a big thing about it, and blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah, I, I, it's. I remember being pretty. Um, there were a couple of books around that time, and 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 you're referencing the sort of Final Cut Pro re revolution. I think it was, it might have been when, the, yeah, I'm sure it was when they came out with well their fourth version, and they were calling it you know Final Cut Pro H HD. Yeah, it was. It was. I think it was version four point five, and there was a lot yep. of fanfare, and it was like I think Avid had come down in price from like a hundred grand to like twenty by then. Right. But then right. Apple came. In and it went, oh, yeah, this is 200 pounds. You know, Let's do this. <laughs> exactly. I remember it well because it was a pretty, there was definitely a, a watershed moment for me as as a as a filmmaker. But I, I at this point, I, I guess I should say as an editor because I had been, we had just come back from spending six months in uh, in Cambodia, uh, myself and another filmmaker, and we were we were making oh. a, a documentary film called Bomb Hunters. And when when we came back, he would end up hiring me to the edit the film, and and I'm sure that you can appreciate this. I would spend you know the next four or five months, practically mm. you know like down in well literally in the basement of his house, you know kind of in the dark <laughs> and just immersing myself with all of that footage that we had spent time with. And it yeah. was when I had really first come across In the Blink of an Eye. So of course I devoured that book, and then he had just released a book about his experiences with Apple and. And, and and doing the digital thing with with uh, I think Cold Mountain is it was that the, yeah was it Cold Mountain and um, Cold Mountain yeah 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 let me ask you this do you consider yourself an editor or a filmmaker um, I mean that's an interesting question um, and it brings up a whole kind of multitude mm. of um, you know kind of 
interesting sub questions to talk about. I mean, I started off as an editor and I did about 15 years. Um, and then I, then I kind of stopped and started moving into directing, but I done right. a lot of camera work and stuff like that. I'd say 80% of what I've done is editing. Um, but I consider myself a filmmaker because I did a lot of, uh, I directed quite a few things for British TV as well and started, you know, cause after you've done sort of 15, 20 years in dark room in Soho in central London, you're like, <laughs> can I have some time off for good behavior, please? This prison sentence is long enough. Yes. Right. Uh, when you're doing backing, you know, I just wanted to vary it up. You know, I love editing. It's, it's been my life. It's, 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 you know, I think it's an amazing art form. I think it's the most complex and nebulous art form in the moving image medium. Not to mention underrated. Yeah. I mean, everything goes through us. Everything goes through us. Good camera work, bad camera work. Good direction, bad direction. Good performance, bad performance. Good production management, bad production management. Yes. Everything gets funneled through the images that we are playing around with on our timeline. And by and large, we get to decide how that narrative is crafted. And this brings up another big question as well. You know, you mentioned Walter Mersh and, mm. and uh, whether you like it or not, and you can have this chat and no one really talks about this, mm. but documentary editing is the most complex editing <laughs> uh, genre of the bits. It's way more complicated than drama <laughs> because there's no script. There's no pre-visualization. You know, right. all this, if you think about it, you've got a whole load of, everything's been storyboarded and everything's been analyzed. The actors are rehearsing and all this kind of stuff. And every, you know, there's been dozens and dozens of very talented people putting in all this pre-visualization and going through the production process and you've got a tightly wrapped script and stuff like that. And that all changes obviously afterwards, but you're still inherently locked into a very tight dramatic structure, which you can only really bend, you know, five, 10, 15, 20%, depending on the actual script. You know, I remember doing a podcast myself for our, for our um, channel with um, Eddie Hamilton, mm. you know, Eddie Hamilton, he's edited, you know, he's one of the biggest action editors around at the moment. He's mm. edited Kingsman 1 and 2, wow. Kick-Ups 1 and 2, yeah. uh, X-Men. You know, he's like serious dude. And he's he came from TV as well. He came from documentaries. And he, he said the same thing. He oh, documentary is way more complex than that. Because <laughs> yeah. you're finding the story as you go. You know, with a documentary, you're, the director's usually just sitting there and they're trying to find the story. They're responding to stimuli. They're responding to, you know, uh, shooting and they're responding to characters and asking certain questions in certain ways. And, and, you know, you can have a whole load of interview questions set up for a documentary suit and you shoot and you just answer one wow. and bang, you're to something that doesn't you never thought was going to happen. You're going to go down that rabbit That's hole. Right. So That's right. That's right. There's so many moving parts. And you actually, as a documentary editor, you have way more power. I mean, I've done drama and I, I just, I, personally, I was like, the thing I always say about documentary editing is it's like, you know, I've done a lot of sort of complex science docs and, and, and political docs and his, uh, historical docs. And I always say that it, it's like doing a degree in a subject very, very quickly. It's like doing a master's degree in a couple of months. <laughs> so if you're doing some complicated piece of science or politics or history or whatever it is, or even observational, you got to read the books and you've got to be au okay fait with the arguments because guess what? You know, 
this is going out to millions of people and the newspapers are going to be reviewing this and all this kind of stuff. So you've got <laughs> on top of this argument. It's kind of like doing a bit of law, you know. You And so you get to know these amazing subjects. Yeah. And that's kind of how I always chose, um, you know, when it, whenever my agent rang me and said, oh, we've got this, we've got this. And, I'm, you know, if something was like, if I knew nothing about a subject and it sounded intriguing, I'm like, yeah. wow, yeah, I really want to know. Let's do that, so absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, so, it, that's the beauty of, of documentary filmmaking, yeah. period, right? As you, you get to immerse yourself in a subject that you may know maybe a little bit, maybe nothing about. And uh, you get to understand that subject from the point of view of people who have made maybe their lives you know, pursuing that subject or having a passion for that particular subject. Yeah. And there's really something to be said for, for being around that energy. Absolutely, absolutely. And and it's it's so yeah i mean i've done a lot of you know i've done a lot of camera i've done a lot of directing as well but i think you know as an editor specifically as a documentary editor you are designing the narrative of that you are choosing the order the structure you know way more you know all that stuff in drama is done by a screenwriter years sometimes years before you know um you know all that stuff is pretty much locked yeah you can do some stuff uh in the edits afterwards but you know not not a massive amount you know you you are you know you're a blank canvas and a documentary editor edit you, you know you're tabula rasa day one and you can build you give 10 documentary editors the same footage and they will come out with 10 different films because we all as creative artists bring a lot more you know we bring different types of baggage to the edit suite the the the, the films we watch the literature we read um, you know, all the things, all the stimuli that we have as, a, as an individual artist goes into what we think is important when we look at those those raw footage for the first time and start structuring and the use of music and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's for me, documentary is it's the most fascinating and challenging art form in the moving image medium there is. And, and you know, I've been in love with it all my life. Hey, Harry, what do you say we take a break? Come on, we'll go to Al's Transbay. I'll buy you a beer, huh? How about that? No, no, I want to finish this. I thought you'd turn those tapes in. Stan, be quiet, will you? All right, all right. Do you think we can do this? I'm tired of drinking anyhow. What a stupid conversation. Stan, please, I'm trying to work. I'm tired of mostly everything. Tired of me? I'm tired of you. But not today. What the hell are they talking about, for Christ's sake? Stanley, please, I'm trying to get this done. There's, you know, there's two types of documentary editing. There's cinema documentary editing, or, you know, long-form, right. independent, and there's television. Right. And in television, you know, I come from television. I've done I've done feature docs before. I've done, you know, 90-minute. Um, and you, uh, I've done 90-minute docs, but the latitude in style in content in tone that you get in you know truly independent filmmaking is way more than you would ever get in television because television is run by broadcasters which are answerable to advertisers and shareholders and da 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 da, da. so <laughs> you know when you're making even you know a serious you know a serious political documentary or something like that you, you know you have, you know, you're going to have the lawyers in from Channel 4 or BBC. Or, That's right, you know, right, right. <laughs> yeah, 
at the end they're like, oh, you can't say that, can't say this, can't say that. You know, you, you don't, you know, and that's why the internet is so kind of interesting because you don't have any of that stuff. You can just go and say what you want, do what you want, and you know, there's downsides to that and there's upsides to that. Yeah. But in terms of, um, you know, television, you have all kinds of um, all kinds of issues that you've got to be aware of. Um, because you're working for a broadcaster and, you know, there's just an intricate web of business that is going on there. So that in terms of television, I mean, you know, for me, editing is such a nebulous and weird art form. Directing, acting, there's been hundreds of things that, you know, you know what directors do. Mm -hmm. There's hundreds of books about it camera work and DOPs, yeah, you know, designing light and all that kind of stuff. And all these things happen in front of lots and lots of people. You go on set, you know, there's dozens of people around and you can see what's going on. You can see the conversations going on, whether it's camera, whether it's acting, whether it's directing, whether it's producing and stuff like that. But with editing, you don't know when very few people get that are privileged to go into a dark room and see what that person, that, that, that talented artist, that, that, man or woman is doing on, on an edit suite. Um, it's a very, it's the black arts of, um, of, of the moving <laughs> in. Really, really is. It is. It um, really is. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down, you know, and, and in your editing, you know, in particular, if you're doing something long form, um, I just seem to, you really, as an editor, you start to develop a relationship with these people on screen. And, and depending if you were, sort of, you know, the shooter or director, if it's if it's a project that you did yourself as a doc filmmaker, or if it's not, especially if it's if it's not, it's very inter- interesting to see sort of the relationship that grows between you and the characters that you're cutting because you've 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 never maybe even seen them ever or met them in your life and yet you feel like you know these people. And and for me there's always this really interesting dynamic you know later on yeah. perhaps at a at a premiere when maybe i do meet some of these people and and, and i'm like hey just so you know i know you <laughs> i've been seeing your fa- face for the past four months i know you really well <laughs> and they're just like uh hey stranger <laughs> nice to meet you too <laughs> <Full security. laughs> patty in in 2007 you stepped away from editing as a gig um, you stepped away for a bit and, and, and you started teaching, didn't you? I did. I mean, I, I, I was kind of, I had a bit of burnout. Um, I was doing these sort of complex science documentaries back to back. And, you know, the choice was um, I just wanted to go and sit on a beach for six months or something like that and just chill because, you know, you have these complex arguments and all the time and it's the stress of them. Um, uh, of, of of working on these tight deadlines and stuff, so I thought I'm going to take some months off. And then my agent said, uh, "Why don't you go and teach?" Because my agency has a, a, a training arm as well. And I was like, "Teach? I know nothing about teaching." And they were like, uh, "You know, just you're you're actually teaching software. So all the training centers around the world, they're teaching software. So uh-huh. you can go and teach people Avid or Final Cut." Um, so yeah, I took some time off and actually they were like, oh, you work like 10 till five. I don't think I've ever worked 10 till five in my entire life. You're like, um, you mean 10 a.m. to 5 a.m., right? <laughs> yeah, that's what, usually, usually, that's what we're all usually used to. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I had to pass an exam um, to, to, to teach um, 
Final Cut Pro and Avid and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And actually what I realized was, was quite funny that you have to memorize these manuals when you want to teach because you're essentially teaching a manual. And I realized that I use about 3% oh, wow. of Avid or Final Cut. I had no idea what most of these buttons do. Isn't that, yet, isn't that intense? <laughs> I use, I use, yeah, I use about nine buttons. Yep. Yep. Um, it's probably 95% of my day is nine buttons. You just get into a rhythm. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I did that. I taught, I ended up doing it for about 18 months, I think. Right. And I ended up teaching. Uh, so there was these little three day courses and five day courses. So I did hundreds of these courses, taught, mm. taught quite from around the world, camera operators, editors, assistant editors, directors, uh, people moving from Avid to Final Cut or people moving from Final Cut to Avid or, you know, things like that. So yeah, it was a good grounding actually uh, in, in then what I went on to do in Inside the Edit. I don't think I could have done Inside the Edit unless I'd have done that sort of year, 18 months of teaching. So you have now this 18 months of teaching, right? What leads sort of to the decision to go off on your own and create the business that is now inside the edit? How did that happen? Well, I was sort of moving into, I moved back into television and did uh, about after that year, year and a half. And I went back and, uh, and I, this time I came back and this time I was mixing it up. I was doing editing and directing. Okay. So I was okay. editing, doing like a couple of documentary jobs, maybe some reality TV, uh, but mostly documentary. Docs, uh, and then I was sort of directing uh, as well, uh, doing a bit of uh, doing docs and, and stuff like that. But then, yeah, just I guess what I was doing, it was around the time of the whole kind of 5D revolution. Ah, the DSLR revolution, sure. The DSLR re re uh, revolution, sort of, what was it 2009, 10, 11, you know, all that kind of. And um, I was end up doing uh, a lot of my own self shooting. So I would do it, I did. We have a show over here called Secret Millionaire. Yes, I uh, I, 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 I I know it well through via my wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah. In the states, it's called, they've got a version called Undercover Boss or something like I that. I think you're right. Yeah. So I was directing that with a crew, uh, but I you know wanted to, I bought my own DSLR kit and I wanted to shoot. Um, I, I shot quite a bit of that yeah. as well, okay. as much as because you're only allowed to shoot like twenty percent. For British TV, because DSLR at that time was not full front. It wasn't like um, I think the color space ratio was not right for broadcast. So yeah, so I was sort of becoming a one man band. And I, I'd done some shows like I started directing, and then I remember I was actually on Secret Millionaire the first day because you get a crew on that. It's a major show, you know, eight nine million people watch that in the UK. Right. Um, and it was my first day and directing it and the the camera operator came up to me and I had, you know, fairly large crew. Um, and he came up to me and went, were you an editor beforehand? And I was like, yeah, he goes, God, like, so it's so, it's such a relief. Exactly. So nice. He's like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Cause he's sitting there going, Oh, should we get a reverse shot for this and go and get, and I'm like, I just sort of think, oh, no, we're not going to use we're that. We're not going to use it. That's right. <laughs> so what we, what would have taken us four hours to shoot you did in 40 minutes so we can either have a rest or go and shoot something else so <laughs> i remember a moment on 
I had been hired to direct on, they were basically shooting a sizzle reel to try and sell um, a, a, a new reality TV show, which has since been picked up. Um, but I remember being on set and and I'm directing and one of the producers kept kind of chirping in my ear as producers can often do. Um, and, and, and because we're moving setups and, and they, they said a, a handful of times, you know, Hey, Chris, should we turn around or should we get this shot? Or did you want to get the wide? Or did you want to get, you know, uh, did you want to go closer in on this person? And, and each time I would just say, no, no, we're good. We won't use it. We won't use it. It won't be used. It's fine. It's fine. And yeah. at some yeah, point yeah. I remember the camera operator turns around to the producer and is like, listen, he comes from an editing background. He knows what he's doing. We got it. <laughs> he's not going to fucking use any of that shit, man. That's a waste of time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. whole point about being trained in editing and you know we do this a lot in, in inside the edit I, I talk about it a lot it's like look if you want to learn one art form that's going to permeate across every single art form learn editing oh listen to this all you listeners you need to go back and, and rewind and listen to that again never a truer statement has been said probably on this show <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's, it's it's there's a cliche in tv and film editors make the best directors that's exactly right. you know so i th there was a couple of seeds being sown actually uh throughout the whole i remember thinking when i was training i was like no one is teaching the craft here. Yeah, yeah. No one. It's all the buttons. And then you look at the way that the industry is structured and it's all cameras this and, let, you know, this camera and it's got to be 2K and 4K and 6K and 8K yeah. and 60, you know, and edited 64-bit background rendering and this button does that and it's this pulled out and it was just like, hold on a minute. Yeah. What I kind of realized was, that, you know what what you kind of know in the industry is that you know the manufacturers sell to you all of this stuff that you pretty much don't need <laughs> um, uh, or you you know you can have when you're establishing the industry but you don't need to spend thousands and thousands and thousands on this and that the whole point about it is is we have a lot of people in the industry and there's more people studying film and television every year than mm. there are in film and television. Mm. So it's crazy. So we have loads of people who are really good at operating 4k cameras and grading this and the best, this, that, and that we have, we, we you know, the industry is full of that kind of stuff. What we are very short supply of is people who can tell stories and, and the ability to tell stories to a professional level to, to keep an audience engaged for 30, 60, 90, 120 minutes, that's what, what is, is, that is what is going to get you employed. That's right. Not when you've memorized the manual to this camera or that piece of editing software or, you know, this lighting rig or whatever. That, all that stuff is like secondary. The technical aspects of doc filmmaking are certainly discussed on this program many times, often. It, it, it's, it's a context for which we hold a lot of conversations, and, and it's important to, to understand the technical aspects to documentary filmmaking or how to make a doc film. But that's only a mm. fraction of what you know what it means to be a doc filmmaker. Less than five percent, less than three percent, right? And and and, and it's yeah. it's a lot about what you're talking about and what you do with inside the edit is this idea of I think you guys are introducing this creative theory and process, right? Yeah, we guarantee you not to teach you one button in the <laughs> editing software. 
like the, all that stuff is secondary but the whole way that the the industry is marketed and structured it's like we're going to sell you this you have to have this latest camera and this latest this and yeah. this latest that yeah i shot the all the footage uh for inside the edit on a you know on a um 5d mark ii i saw that that's right yeah nothing and it's just like it's just it's the story and the structure that keeps people engaged mm. and keeps millions of people. If you know you got watching, you're making something for 10 million people. It doesn't matter if it's shot on. It's has no matter, no matter at all. It's shot on. It's how you structure the story, how you tell the story. You know what music you use, the pace and timing. A masterful filmmaker will design a, a narrative and dramatic roller coaster and that's not available in any kind of manual or whether you're not going to tell the difference between that between 4k and 6k all that stuff is <laughs> oh, that's you could shoot it on your iphone yeah that's it's right story, you know? I, I think in drama is different i think in drama there's a whole kind of you know aesthetic quality that's that's you know slightly different maybe not as applicable but with documentaries it's you know Amen, brother. Because because we speak the same language, Patty. Uh, it, it's you and I have actually some similar backgrounds in that you know we were kind of brought up in the industry via editing, and then from there we branched yeah. off into doing some camera work, and then you know doing some directing work through our companies. And I, I, interestingly enough, it, it seems like you know this philosophy and understanding and knowing how to do these other disciplines. It's very much what you're teaching with Inside the Edit. You're not teaching people to just be editors. You're teaching people to be better filmmakers, to be better shooters, to be better directors, to be better production managers. (laughs) I'm so in alignment with this, Patty. You and I have lived this. You know, why was this important for you to have this as a philosophy for Inside the Edit? And how are you incorporating it? Uh, I, you know, I always say, you want to be a better director, learn how to edit. If you want to be a better camera operator, learn how to edit. As an editor, having done 15 years straight of straight editing, I don't know how many thousands of hours of raw footage I, I watched or any editor watched, like you watched or any of my colleagues, any of my peers. Mm. And what happens is you store up this huge database of that's not going to work, that's good, that's bad, like that, don't like that. So when you actually come time to yeah. pick up a camera, like I remember the first time I picked up the camera and after you've learned exposure and shutter speed and all that kind of stuff, that takes you a couple of hours to learn. And I just took my dear, my new 5D down the park. I just shot some moving image. Uh, I followed, you know, my, my, my good, very good friend of mine, very old friend is a, is a very senior um, and well-established DOP over here. He shoots a lot of big commercials. And he said, the best way to get the focus is to just basically go and uh, sit next to a motorway and practice again and again and again, focusing in on trying to get sharp number plates on moving cars. Yeah, right, right. Boom. <laughs> and you just get a reflex for it. And you do this for a couple of days. And then literally, as soon as I sort of got the logistics of the camera, like I've never shot before. I've been in edit suite 15 years. As soon as you got that, and you, I picked that up in a couple of days. Yeah. It was just natural. It was like, yeah, wide, medium, close, bang, left, right. You know, when someone's talking, you know, a good, a good doc or entertainment or reality camera operator will have one ear open for the director and one ear and looking down the lens, looking at what the person's saying, so they know when to reveal left, <laughs> reveal right, all that kind of stuff. So it's a, you get all that stuff as an editor. So uh, 
having done 15 years of that, it was very, very easy to just pick up a camera and go boom. And this is what we teach a lot inside the edit. It's like, look, a very large percentage of our of our um, members, you know, we've got members in what, 50 countries around the world now, which is really awesome. And so wow. many of them, and a lot of them are in-house at big broadcasters. We, we work with a lot of the big broadcasters as well who, mm. who use us their staff but a lot of them are videographers and and self-shooting um um, documentary filmmakers you know the one-man band is possible now it wasn't possible back when we were starting when it was 50 grand for a you know a beta sp camera um and you know and and 100 grand for a you know now you've got this amazing kit there's been a democratization of the of the technology but the downside of that is that People think that they read a manual uh, and memorize it and pass an exam for, you know, memorizing a manual and they think they're a cinematographer or an editor. Or, you know, <laughs> right. It's like, no, it's a craft. There's a whole new thing around. If you really want to know a subject? I People have told me this before I did Inside the Edit. You really want to know a subject inside out? Teach it. Yeah, you that's have so true. <laughs> you, questions. you never even thought about it. And this is another thing about, well, yeah. I mean, look, look how look at the process of how long, um, you know, look at the, the the painstaking process of writing the co- the course and writing inside the edit. Let's talk about that. Look how long that took you. Yeah. So that took me a good couple of years, actually. I mean, the thing about it was is that I looked around. Sorry, I went off on a bit of a tangent there. No, it's <laughs> great. I looked around and I kind of realized that no one was teaching the craft. So I started looking at training centers and what they were teaching. I started looking at film schools and what they were teaching. I started looking at uh, interviewing film school alumni, young kids and stuff like that. Then I started kind of like going out and uh, speaking to mates of mine who were, you know, buddies of mine who were editing feature films, editing Hollywood films, editing big docs, editing, you know, basically, um, you know, senior editors. And I kind of realized actually it was a, a shocking situation that, and it was same with me because I wasn't taught at film school or anything like that. Most editors are self-taught. Yeah. They are taught in isolation by themselves. It takes about <laughs> five to 10 years. And the reason it does that is because they don't talk to anyone. They're in a dark room for their entire lives. And they figure out hundreds and hundreds of these creative techniques by themselves. It's mental. I, yeah, I just right. thought, holy, it's crazy. So I spent a long time like speaking to my friends. I'd say, hey, man, what would you, you know, if you had a situation like this, you know, blah, 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 what would you do? And they'd go, oh, well, I'd just put this down there and go, <laughs> and I'd go, yeah, me too. Now, what would you call that? And they just sort of look at me blankly and go, well, <laughs> There's no name for that. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, there is no name, is there? So I went through hundreds of these techniques that we do automatically, instinctively, every day as editors. Mm-hmm, and I, right. over two years, I kind of poured out. And I had I realized that there was no language to call it. That just the basic, there was some really basic language, cutaways and video channels and da 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 And actually, I had to invent a whole new language about a lot of, the things that we do mm. every single day as editors that are instinctual and people say you can't teach it and the reason they say that is because no one's ever written it down before that's like saying you can't teach someone to walk or yeah, breathe right right it's like if that was the case then you know the wheel would never have been invented yeah yeah exactly uh, it's an instinctive art form it's subjective you know when you look at a, a, a framed shot 
camera work, yeah, there's that's not a nice shot. There's too much light, or there's not enough light. It's underexposed, overexposed. The framing's wrong. You know, this. You know, it's not. It's not so much a, a subjective art form. Whereas what we teach in inside the edit is like there's a there's a wrong way to do something and structure a scene or edit something, but there's multiple right ways. That's of doing. right. Yeah. So yeah, it took me about two years to write it all down. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of words. Uh, the script's like a telephone directory. <laughs> so yeah, and actually at the same time, I was shooting, because I wrote about 200 tutorials as part of the course. And then at the wow. same time, I was shoot because that's the other thing I, I, I always had in, in a lot of these training centers as well. Like you teach young people and they're like, oh, I'm certified now on whatever software. How do I build a show reel? And I was like, well, you can't because no production company in the history of the world is going to give you their footage. No, it just doesn't happen. They're not no. going to tell you how the sausage was made. So I went out and actually shot a, a over two years while I was writing the course. I shot a a full length documentary, observational documentary in London, Paris, and Venice, Italy. That's right. That's right. And it, it was it was the the cities of dawn, correct? Cities of dawn. Yeah. So every everyone who joins inside the edit, whether it's a you know a monthly or an annual or a lifetime, you know they get complete access to that thirty five hours of footage, and we use that in all the tutorials. Um, so we cut scenes and recut scenes, and you know, um, so I was shooting that at the same time as writing it, and I was actually shooting problems within the footage. Oh wow! Because uh, you know I always say it's really easy to make beautiful footage look great but that's not what we do every day in broadcast editing mm. you know so much of a broad you know what's really hard is making terrible footage look great yeah that's the work that's that's what makes you a better better editor if all your footage is beautiful and wonderful and it's well structured and well thought out yeah you're not going to be a great editor yeah 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 just like a calm sea will never make a good sailor as they say <laughs> right There will always be situations throughout our career when we're confronted with footage that is either badly shot in some way or has missing content. There are hundreds of reasons why this could happen and there really is no sense in trying to blame someone on the production. It creates bad feeling and doesn't endear us to our employers. As we discussed at the start of this chapter, we should start looking at these situations as challenges a battle that we have been forced into, but one which brings out the very best in us. In this set of four tutorials, we're going to look at various concepts, techniques, and creative thought processes that will help us in many of the scenarios we'll often find ourselves in. So, let's get started. So I was, I was shooting all this stuff and I was like, okay, I'm not going to ask that question or I'm not going to get that shot or I'm going to mess up that end shot yeah. or I'm going to, you know, fill in the blank because these are the type of things that, that you're running that up against. Every right. day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could have shot that. I mean, not saying it's not beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And you know, there's, there's loads of actuality scenes. There's loads of, cause we teach reality and actuality observational documentary as well yeah. as those are beautiful stuff but i knew when i had a very specific part of a tutorial like i don't know somewhere in tutorial 
9.8 or something like that, I'd go, right, okay, we're going to teach this. So, okay, well, I'm not going to get that reverse shot there. How would we do that? Yeah. So I would, I would deliberately shoot a floor within the footage. It was a very long, drawn-out process. It was writing. I wrote everything first, and then um, I wrote, and then I was shooting the film, and then I just went into production and um, started structuring in them. And then I did a lot of research as well around what everyone else was doing in online training. I mean, no one was teaching the craft. Still, no one, no one is doing any courses in, in certainly to a, a professional level. Uh, there's some courses you can do, like, you know, if you want to be a good wedding video editor or something like that. I mean, yeah, there's some stuff around that. That's Plenty of stuff on YouTube. <laughs> there's no, I mean, we get hundreds of emails going. I've looked everywhere and you are the only people who teach the craft. Right. So we talk, we don't talk about anything technical. You can do it on any piece of software. You can do it on iMovie if you yeah. want. If yeah. we don't, just, we 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 demonstrate on Avid on Media Composer. I've always loved Media Composer. It's the industry standard, really. If you're if you're if you want a serious career in editing, but we don't talk about it at all. You can you know we have so many of our members are like Premiere Pro or you know final cut or you know it doesn't matter you know the timeline's a timeline in my mind it's a tool it's like nice. i'm going to build a house do you want this type of hammer or that type of hammer yeah I mean, yeah yeah it's like it's the art form that's what we teach and that's what's going to get you employed that's what's going to make you a better filmmaker is is de-emphasizing you know it's not 90 percent technical and 10 percent craft it's the other way around but you know you read any kind of video magazine or watching they'd have you believe it's the other way around because they want you to spend money you don't need to spend any money these are the raw emotions that people display separate from what they say as we talk about a lot in the tutorials there's a whole layer of communication underneath someone's speech. The general consensus in modern psychology is that around 80% of communication is non-verbal. And understanding everything from the tiniest micro-expression on a character's face to an energy shift in the middle of the scene makes us better editors. The craft, yeah, it's a major part. It's not getting taught anywhere, and that's what we do. That's our USP. That's you know we're the only people in the world who do that. But there's also a whole load of other kind of talents that you need as an editor, or indeed as a filmmaker, that will get you employed again and again and mm. again. So we actually developed a secondary stream of content, which we launched recently called Outside the Edit. Outside the Edit, right. So it's like all the things you can do to make yourself more employable, more, you know, you know, uh, the hundred different things. It's, you know, editing is all about, you know, the, I don't know who said it, but, you know, I think it was in, in, in one of those documentaries about editing that I saw, I think like the Cutting Edge documentary, oh, which right, is an right. amazing. Someone hasn't seen that. If you haven't it's seen great. that, go yeah, watch it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Brilliant. And someone said, if, if there was no more editing, you know, we'd all go and work in the UN. We're all diplomats. And, you know, you have and, uh, and you are quite a, a kind of psychological chameleon. You know, every director is completely different. You know, you have to get the best out of them without them feeling manipulated or anything <laughs> like that. You know, so we, we developed a whole kind of secondary stream of, of you know, things 
things that are really, really useful about navigating the murky waters of of freelance filmmaking, whether yeah. you're, you know, whether you're an editor or, you know, anything. But things like how do you work with really difficult directors? You know, we had a, we had a big episode on that, which, you know, went down really well. Um, We've talked about that here know, on the program. Had, That's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of the some of the psychological it's it's basically professional edit psychology. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's 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 a new thing that we teach, which is going down really really well. Do you think I would be able to get Donald Trump to sign up for your course? Because I feel like there are some things that he might be able to use with the international community from from here forth. <laughs> he, needs an he needs a good editor. Yeah, uh, a really good editor. I don't think there's an editor on planet Earth that that would be as good as what he needed. <laughs> That's right. That goes way beyond my abilities and probably Walter Murch's. So, you know, I, I'm really glad that you brought up outside the edit um, because, you know, like I said, I, I'd had a couple of listeners who had recently emailed me um, and, and talked in particular about your course. And uh, in fact, one of the guys, is, uh, his name is Dean, and, and, and uh, he's based out of the UK himself. And he had some questions about, you know, how does one go about, you know, getting their first jobs? How does one go about doing editing as a career? And I think you're outside mm -hmm. the edit is going to answer a bit of that. So I'm really excited to hear that that's part of part of inside the edit, your, your program. Yeah, absolutely. We've got, we've got tons of new episodes uh, planned that will deal with all of this type of stuff. So, um, yeah, we're, we're really excited about it. And I think it's an essential component to designing, um, you know, designing your career as an editor. I mean, I was told very, very early on that you can be the greatest artist around. You can be amazing. But if you're an absolute nightmare to work with, yeah. no one's going to work with you. A director would rather work with someone who's average and really cool than someone who's amazing and who's an absolute nightmare. Absolutely. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Outside the Edit. So, what is Outside the Edit? Well, as you know, our tutorials are all about all the hundreds of techniques and skills and concepts and theories that are based on craft but there are tons and tons of things that we can do when we're not in inside the edit or when we're not in an edit suite or talking with a director that can really really help us in becoming a better editor what we're talking about is a secondary set of skills that we can use to build and sustain a successful career in editing. Pat, if you could walk me through, walk me through the course, you know, what, what, what all does it entail? What do you receive if you sign up for the course? Um, what's mm. the work involved and how long does a course take and, and, and what are the costs involved? Yeah, sure. So we, we operate a bit like lynda.com in, or a lot of, um, uh, websites, website co uh, uh, online courses is we operate, you know, we've got kind of three tiers of membership dependent on your budget. We have a monthly, which is about £40, uh, 39.95, which is what, I don't know what the it's, dollar is it's, at the moment. It's, it's basically $50, 50 US dollars. $50 a month. And then we have an annual, so you get 12 months for the price of 10. So it's about £400, £399. Yep. So that's what, 
500 bucks. Yeah. And then you have a lifetime. So that's £999. So when you join, uh, what we've done is it's basically like it's not like if you were to join any other sort of filmmaking course or, you know, software based course or anything like that, it's very easy to jump in and go, ah, you know, I'm learning After Effects. I need to know what that button is. So I go in, I go all the way through the course and go, bing, you know, tutorial 62 in the After Effects course. Ah, I know what that course, I know what that button does now. Thank you very much. Editing is like a language. It's like you're doing, you know, Rosetta Stone or, you know, any of those big lang- online lang- languages things. You you wouldn't really go in and, um, you know, go straight to chapter five. Because, you know, if you went straight to chapter five in a French course or an Italian course or Chinese course, you wouldn't know what anyone was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> what we do is... We've tried to replicate every single thing that you get in an edit suite. So the day you join is very simple. We've made the whole process very, very simple. You can join a monthly, annual, or lifetime. As soon as you join, you get uh, your login details emailed to you, and you go in and you get complete access to each each of the chapters. We add stuff, new stuff all the time, but I'll get to that in a minute. You get 35 hours of footage. Uh, which you can download straight away. You get director's notes, footage logs, interview transcripts, all the stuff that you get, you know, that first day when you walk into a, you know, a That's pro right. edit. Right. You know, you, you get all Here's your transcripts, here's the footage, go to it. Here's all these script outlines and stuff like that. Yeah. So everything you, you get. We also part, we also partnered with um, the biggest music library in the world is well, Universal Music, Universal Production Music. Right. Um, so you get 100 uh tracks to use uh, music tracks really beautiful incredible music tracks so um yeah you just start watching now at the end of each tutorial some of the tutorials are like five minutes long some of them are 90 minutes long depending on the complexity of what we're talking about and, and at the end of each tutorial you're set a creative task so you basically go off or at least one creative task sometimes there's two three or four you go off and you start building you know, rough sync pools, you know, of people talking or B-roll uh, selections or whatever as you progress through the courses, it gets more and more complex. With the footage and the music that we've provided, and this footage and music, you're free to use it because we own the copyright. You're free to use it to attract clients on your Vimeo channels, on your, you know, on your, on your YouTube channels. Make your show, show real. Yep, yep. Exactly. Yeah. So you can go off and do whatever you want with it for non-commercial commercial usage, right? Um, which is another kind of unprecedented thing that we we try to do. So we, um, so you go through the course. You start over the course over the course of the course. You're building like a sixty to ninety minute documentary, essentially. Okay. And you will build a, a prime time level show. So you progress and you start with the very, very basics. And all you need is a very, very rudimentary knowledge of editing. If you can load a clip from whatever software you're working in, you can load a clip into the viewer monitor, mark an in and an out point, and then put it down on the timeline, you're ready. That's it. But you don't need any, like I said, because that's about all I can do in the technical side of any software. Uh, that's all you need to. That's all you need to know. So yeah, gradually as you go through the course, you get to start putting together sync pools. You know, people talking. You know, the structure or the spine of every scene, and then you start your B roll. Then we start talking about putting them together. How you create, you know, arcs, miniature arcs, uh, you know, arcs of across scenes and stuff like 
like that. And, you know, all the, all the kind of complexities of like pace and timing and how do you cut actuality and scoring and stuff like that. So each chapter, like I said, there's 20 chapters. I think we're somewhere, we're just about to start chapter 12 at the moment. So we've got about 80 or 90 tutorials up there. We add all the time and you just gradually get more and more proficient and quicker and quicker and quicker about all doing these, you know, we want all these creative thought processes to become reflexive. That's our basic right. thing, um, is that you're creating a huge database of creative uh, techniques, stylization principles and stuff like that, all of which, I'd say 99% of which have never been written down before. There's no name for them. So this really puts you in the kind of higher echelons of um, of editing, but also, you know, if you're if you are a self shooter, if you're a videographer, if you're one man band, one one woman band, your shooting ratios are going to go down. Mm, mm, it means mm. your budget can can stretch along for a lot further. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, you know. I think it's Da Vinci or someone said. You know, you never finish a work of art. You just hand it over in the time allowed. Right. I, I don't use that word for word, but. If you're doing what usually takes four or five hours in one hour, you've got a choice. You can have duplicate your budget to go and work on another film and shoot two films instead of one, or you yeah, you save money uh, in, in a number of different ways. You don't need less storage, you know, the, the, uh, the, um, but also you, get, you could possibly shoot more scenes. That's right. That's right. And, and all of this is music to a documentary filmmaker's ears. Most of us who, you know, we don't have someone who's who's financing our documentaries with, with a lot of money. And so that is absolutely massive, uh, massive, important and, and a big boon to to inside the edit your, your course. So, Patty, what is the best way for listeners of the documentary life to get involved and, and to sign up for your course uh, with Inside the Edit? Well, basically, it's it's pretty simple. Come and look at us on uh, InsideTheEdit.com. We've got some, uh, you know, some demo tutorials, uh, you know, a whole load of in-depth stuff about, you know, what the course is about and stuff like that. You can use a uh, a promo code as well for specifically for listening to this podcast, My Doc Life, M Y D O C L I F E, and you'll be able to get a twenty five percent discount off all of our memberships, monthly, annual, or lifetime. Fantastic! Um, just to state that the monthly would be the first month only because we do get a few emails about that. I'll one. bet. I'll bet. <laughs> um, so it's a twenty five percent discount on the on the first month if you go month if you go monthly. However, if you opt to pay for the year up front or a lifetime, it's twenty five percent off that entire that entire fee. Absolutely, which is obviously um, you know the, the more you go up, it's a more 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 of a, um, a percentage off. I have never seen anything like this. Um, I have never seen a, 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 a an, uh, an online course or um, any curriculum like this when it comes to post production, when it comes to, to editing. And uh, uh, you know, I wish that this had existed even ten, fifteen years, twenty years ago. Um, but uh, but 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 yeah. I mean, like I said, I've never seen anything like this. It's exciting what you're doing with inside the edit. 
Um, again, uh, as listener, if you want to take advantage of, of the 25% discount, simply use the promo code MYDOCLIFE, all in caps. And, um, and of course, I'll put a link up in the show notes for this program. Or you can probably just go straight to Patty's website, InsideTheEdit.com, and, um, and, and check out uh, more about his course there. And then you can, of course, sign up there. Patty Bird, this has been an absolutely amazing, thrilling, insightful, lovely conversation. I can't wait to get this out into the world. Like I said, we have a, a number of, of doc filmmakers out there who have been asking about good editing content. And it, it doesn't get any better than this conversation so uh thank you for that patty chris it's been an absolute pleasure mate i really appreciate you asking me to come on the podcast and uh, yeah i've had a lot of fun what you do is amazing so keep up the amazing work mate it's 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 phenomenal this community that you've grown is is brilliant and uh, i feel privileged to be a part of it thank you so much man Don't forget, if you're interested in a guide to help you navigate the fundamental aspects of doc filmmaking, the things that every doc filmmaker should know, then get our free doc filmmaking course, The Documentary Filmmaker's Essential Checklist, by going to thedocumentarylife.com courses. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next episode.